0: Good evening everyone. Welcome back tonight, Wednesday in the middle of the week and time when we come and come together for prayer. Um, Tonight I'd like you to look with me in Luke chapter 1. We're going to review some of the um, gospel of Luke in terms of the, uh, the birth of Christ. Some of the events before the birth of Christ we'll look at and how it challenges us in our faith and challenges us in our time of prayer. Gospel of Luke starts off with the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now who is this Zechariah? He's one who's part of the he's a priest and he's been assigned to do certain duties. Uh, It looks like they have a whole group of of priests that do different duties. And it says it came by lot. In fact, it says here, um, verse 9, Luke chapter 1, verse 9. According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. What's a lot? Say it again like dice, yeah, we're scared to say that sometimes, but that's what it is. <laughs> it, 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 it was uh, a way that <clears throat> we would say a random way, but that would not be true. The Bible says God's the control of the lot, so there's nothing random with God, but it was a way for them to decide um, issues or decide between a thing or two or what would God's will would be. And this is a way that they decided who would serve a particular service or duty, and it was it says it was a custom to do it by lot, and so it turned out to be his turn. <laughs> you know, any, meeny, mighty, moe. We used to do that, right? It's your turn, not mine. Okay. Well, it was his turn, um, but I want to show you how this is not random at all, because in verse nine it says this. <coughs> We read that. Look at verse 10. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And so here we see the place of prayer in this story. A whole group of people would meet regularly, and what would they do? They would pray. They would pray. We come together to meet regularly, and we come to pray. We're going to touch back on this theme because we're going to see this angel say something to Zechariah. <coughs> Verse 11, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Let's set the scene. Um, The people are praying outside of the temple. And there's a special place in the temple that Zechariah has been chosen by Lot to serve. And he's serving there. So the people don't see him. He's inside. They are outside. And so they're praying outside. And it says on the inside there appeared an angel of the Lord. Standing on the right side of the altar of incense. The altar of incense has to do with prayer too. We see that in Revelation. That it's as if, well, altar of incense, you know, just like, you know, some of us in our homes have fragrances that we you burn a candle or, or uh, a fragrance to, to just add a, a nice scent to your home. Well, the altar of incense was a perfume made up for the temple. And it was to go up in a fragrance that was pleasing to the Lord. So God likes good smelling things too. <laughs> it's a reminder of the prayers of the saints that are pleasing to God. It's just like, you know, when 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 that Thanksgiving meal is cooking in the home and you walk in, you open that door, it's like, ah, that smells good. That's, it reminds you not just of the food but your smells remind you of everything associated with that food. I, 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 I remind, I'm reminded, you know, when I cut the grass, even now, and I'm 60 years old, when I cut the grass, the smell of grass reminds me of something. I may not remind you of this, but it reminds me of football. <laughs> we used to practice on the field and you're in that grass all the time and you smell it. I've associated that with my high school days of playing football, um, and so even now those smells we associate with certain things, and so this incense was a good aroma to God, um, and it was supposed to remind the people of God's pleasing in their prayer. And we see in Revelation it says one of the things that the angels did they took this alt uh, they took this incense and they let it go up into the heavens. Let it go up to God. And God was saying, now is my time to answer every one of those prayers. We see that in Revelation because he's going to set his kingdom up. And that is the answer to all of our prayers. It is the pra- answer to the Lord. When are you going to save us from this wretched place and the misery that we live in? And the suffering that we are involved in. When are you going to save us from that? Tonight we'll be praying, Lord, heal my wife of cancer. Lord, uh, give uh, healing to those who are sick. Lord, let your gospel give healing to those who don't know Christ. Lord, heal this city from the sin that is plagued. And so our prayers are going up. And and God is reminding us, I'm going to answer prayers in a big way when christ returns so we see Jesus' coming first was an answer to prayer his second coming is going to be even more so an answer to prayer so we see this altar of incense associated with uh, what Zechariah is doing <clears throat> verse 11 now zachariah was troubled when he saw him now that's a natural response When we see an angel there's fear invoked why is that because angels are terrific beings they're created by God they we don't understand a lot about them um, they are said to be spirits or spiritual beings that don't always manifest themselves in a the way we can see it and here's a time when God is letting, uh, letting this human being see it and it is awesome he is amazed and the, 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 the word that's used fear you can imagine when we see something that's fearful, we can just kind of freeze up and we don't know what to do. And that was kind of um, Zechariah. And the first thing the angel says, do not be afraid, Zachariah. And what does he say? For your prayer has been heard. Again, emphasis on prayer. Your prayer has been, well, which prayer? He answers, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Now, you know the story, and you know later on, uh, Zachariah is saying, Well, wait, 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 wait a minute. I'm old. My wife, she, you know, we ain't having no children. That's what he's saying. So, <laughs> he's like, That ain't happening, right? <laughs> so, the specific prayer Zachariah had a prayer in his heart that. I don't know if he had communicated or, or what, but God knew it. The angel says, I'm going to answer that prayer. Think about it. It's not just a selfish prayer. It may have been very selfish on, on Zachariah's part. I don't know. I, I'm not accusing him of that. I don't know his heart. Uh, he may have just been thinking, Lord, it'd be nice if, if me and baby can have a, a baby. You know, we, we, we're old now. We never had that. But God was answering it in the context of his purpose and his will. We see the whole story. God is saying, I am raising a prophet to pave the way for the Savior. But in that, I'm answering your prayer. Think about this. God wants to do something far greater than we can even imagine, even in our prayer request that we bring to him tonight. He is doing something that's on his agenda That may not even be on our thinking, on our mind. But he's got this all wrapped up. He knows what he's doing. And it's going to be an amazing thing that he's doing. So he tells, the the angel tells him, hey, look, I'm going to answer your prayer. God is answering your prayer. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name uh, John. He goes on to give more information. Look at his response, though, in verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. This is a statement... Um, I don't want to be harsh with Zechariah, but the truth is he just didn't believe it. It's kind of like what I was preaching on Sunday. Grace is just too good to be true. He's saying... I, I kind of want to believe that, but no, man, that ain't happening. That's impossible. That, that can't happen. That's what he's saying. Get out of here. Get out of here. That can't be true. The angel actually rebuked him for saying that, <clears throat> and that kind of confuses me because um, this this is out of the ordinary. But God expects us to believe what he says. Good example of that is in the next line. Let's jump right to it. Uh, this same angel, he responds to, to Zachariah Zechariah, said, "I am Gabriel." You'll see that in the next verse, verse nineteen. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. You'll notice most of the time when the Bible speaks of angels, it doesn't give us the name, but here it does. The very few angels that are given, we're given the name to, and that means something special. Um, He says, I am Gabriel. I I mean, if that was, uh, you know, if we did a review of that, if we did a videotape of that, when that name was said, it would be like a big bass sound coming out and a big boom. I am Gabriel. Boom. Whoa. Who are you? Whoa. He's saying, you don't know who I am. He says, I stand in the presence of God. Wow. I stand in the, in other words, he's saying, you think I'm lying? (laughs) You think, you can't believe what I told you? You think I'm lying? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. You ever have somebody try to name drop on you? You know, it happens all the time at work. I know, you know, that they're saying, you know, I heard this is going on with the coming. How do you know that? Hey. I heard the vice president, blah, 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 you know, said, heard the name dropping. I was at lunch at this meeting and that meeting, yeah, right. But th- he's saying, look, <laughs> I stand in the presence of God. See, we're not used to that. And Zechariah probably wasn't used to that, even though he should have been. here he was in the temple, right? What does he think he's doing? He's offering prayers for the people to God. And now they're being answered. And he's surprised. (laughs) He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence. In other words, I've been hearing all this activity, what's going on, and I can give you firsthand knowledge of what God said He's going to do. And I'm telling you, I'm Gabriel. So he says this, verse 20 Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. This is kind of a twofold. I think. He's saying, here's a sign that what I said is absolutely true. And at the same time, it's a rebuke to you because you didn't believe it. So the very fact that you're going to be mute, unable to speak, is evidence that what I told you is true. Because I'm telling you that's going to happen too. You know what I'm saying? He's saying, I'm telling you you won't be able to speak. So when that happens, know that the other things I said is going to happen too. So, so, it's the evidence for you. You want a sign? Well, here's a sign that it's true. But it's also rebuked to you. Because you didn't believe, you have to give a sign. You know what Jesus said? Signs are for those who, who don't believe. It's those who have a hard time just taking God as word. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. God said, just believe what I said. That's enough sign for you. Let's skip to the next point. Um, verse 26 so the angel said that um, Zechariah's wife would conceive and she would bear a son and now it tells us in verse 24 she did conceive and she hid herself for five months <laughs> that's a whole nother message um <clears throat> it's it's true today that that um uh, people will hide their pregnancy for different reasons maybe because of shame they know they shouldn't be pregnant uh, or in her case it was, it was it was shame for another reason Though she was not expected to be she was not of childbearing age and so she just hid it for, for, for months for five months it says you can imagine you get to be about five months pregnant everybody gonna know right <laughs> well she, she she made a point of, of hiding it for a long time um, but then it says in verse 26 in the sixth month As I mentioned on on Sunday, I was talking about um, Noah's time and how the Bible was recording the events of his life. Here's recorded in terms of her pregnancy. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, here's Gabriel again, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name were Mary. Well, a lot of names and places in those two verses. Seven, in fact. Uh, But you get the the, the sense of what's going on. Gabriel, the angel, is speaking. Now he's going directly to Mary. And he's going to speak to her. Notice how she takes the news. And contrast that with how Zechariah takes the news. And challenge yourself with how do I show my trust and my belief in what God says. Okay? So... Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. What's the greatest miracle? Elizabeth being past childbearing age and having a child, or Mary being a virgin without the act of, or input or interaction with any other human being becoming pregnant. You you know, we say, well, both of those are, are miracles of God. and They truly are. They are miracles. But look at Mary's response. This is what the angel tells her. <coughs> Verse 32, he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high and the lord god will give to him the throne of his father david he will reign over the house of jacob forever and as of his kingdom there will be no end he's not mincing words here he's saying this is the real deal and this is god's appointed verse 34 mary said to angel how will this be since i'm a virgin that's very much like the question that that um as Zachariah said it's like wait a minute wait a minute I'm old my wife is old how's this happening well Mary says well how's this going to be I, I, I'm a virgin and so it seems to be the same thing but I think we'll notice a little bit of difference when we get to the end verse 35 the angel answered her the holy spirit will come upon you the power of the most high will overshadow you therefore the child to be born will be called holy the son of God And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. But a great, great truth. Nothing is impossible with God. God is able to do all things he does perfectly according to his purpose and his will. And he does it as he pleases. And that's what he does. But notice her response. Verse 38. And Mary said. Behold I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Wow. Wow. Mary. Just says. Even though. That's beyond human comprehending. Let it be so Lord. Let it be. And like I said I'm not trying to be too harsh on Zachariah but here we have a beautiful illustration of faith in accepting what God has said though both are miracles hard impossible to to comprehend and, and believe and accept and yet Mary just says as crazy as that sound if God said it here I am Lord use me that should be our response to the lord we pray lord we know that nothing is impossible with you but we also say you're going to do according to your will and whatever that is lord i submit to your will here i am use me in whatever way you would whatever way you'd like to use me not fighting against god because we struggle to understand what's going on we don't have to understand it What we do need to do like Mary I am your servant let it be according to your will that's the beautiful illustration as we pray as we bring our requests God wants to work out his purpose and he's doing that let us be those that just say no God I don't understand yes God to your will Yes to your will. I'm your servant. Do as you please.
1: Good evening, saints. Mm -hmm. Continuing our meditation in the the book of the prophet. At first asked a question of the Lord. And his question was, God, I see all this evil that's going on. How can this happen? And what are you doing about it? And God said he was going to bring judgment. But he was going to bring a judgment on his people with a people that were the Babylonians who seemed even more evil. So then the prophet didn't like that response. And he said, God, how can you use somebody that's even more evil to judge my people? And he said, God said, you got to trust in my ways. The righteous will live by faith. Now after this, and we won't go over this part, but just to fill you in, um, in the end of chapter 2, the prophet does learn from the Lord that even the Babylonians will be judged. But the issue of the Babylonians being judged kind of just branched off to a larger point of people who abuse power will be judged. But I want to move into chapter 3. It says this. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to the Shigunov. Now, I want to just stop us there. This is what I believe to mean that this is probably meant to be sung. Okay, You hear phrases like this a lot in the Psalms. O Lord, I've heard the report of you. Your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timan, and the Holy One from the Mount from Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers? Or your indignation against the sea? When you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on, the the deep gave forth its voice, it lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place, at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury, you threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck you pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people, to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no fruit. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Let's talk about this chapter. What is he saying, and how do his words kind of flow? Let's talk about the flow. So that means go from the beginning to the end. What is the first thing that he notices? Yes. Yeah, where would he hear the report of him? Do we see the report of the Lord? Yep. So think about it this way. What you said, it kind of summarizes the two ways that we hear about God, the report of God, right? We hear about it from his word. and We hear about it from his people. It's passed down, right? I might tell you what the Lord has done for me, And then you might look into the word and see what the Lord says. So we got reports of the Lord, just like Habakkuk had reports of the Lord. But I think one thing that's interesting is he starts to say, I had reports and I I feared. That's good, right? We should have reports and fear. We will never see Jesus in the flesh until some of us die or until he returns. But we still believe him. But there's one thing to hear of Jesus, and there's another thing to experience a sight of him ourselves. And I think for us as Christians, since we won't see Jesus in the flesh, the best that we have is when we first understood the person of the Holy Spirit. Maybe when you heard a very strong sermon, maybe when you heard a song that encouraged you, Maybe when you were first saved, you felt it. Maybe when you did what God really called you to do, you heard him speak. Maybe when you prayed to him, you heard him reply back. Maybe when you were going through your day, you felt his nudge. But it's one thing to hear and read the report, but it's confirmed by his appearing. It lets us know that we don't believe in a fairy tale that we imagined. We actually experienced it. And he says, I experienced it. Now when you think about all the great things that we have in this world, and you think about them, there's nothing really greater than creation. There's nothing more stable than a mountain. There's nothing more powerful than a river. Think about we use the rivers of Niagara Falls to power most of the state of New York. Right. We use the forces of nature to do all the great things of technology we do today. But in every force of nature compared to God, it's inferior. So the prophet sees God against all the forces of nature and he sees God as superior. The mountains seem like they're immovable. Who wants to walk through a mountain, right? But when the mountain sees God, it moves out the way. He says, God, were you angry at the rivers? And what he's basically saying is, when God came, the rivers was rushing out the way as if he was so mad at them because he had so much power, the rivers couldn't do anything to him. Now maybe in our modern times, we too often take it lightly how powerful water is. But let there be an inch of rain in your basement. You will understand the power power of water. Much more Stand under 10 feet of water in the lake. And that's not even powerful. Stand by the shores of the ocean and you see power. But stand at the shores of the ocean during a tsunami and tell me about that power. Tell me about a hurricane hitting a coast. Tell me about a tornado descending. And then tell me about God. Because God is more than all of those. And God is coming in all his power. Look what he says in verse 13. You went out for the salvation of your people. All that power is for us. Romans said he does all things for the good of the call. That power is for our good. We thank God for that. So in verse 16, he says, I hear my body trembles. I think maybe in some way the state of our church, right? Some people are saying they're discouraged by many of the sicknesses that's going on. Some people are discouraged because a little bit of lack of faithfulness is going on here. But he says, I hear my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. These are not signs of strength. Either signs of fear, discouragement, weakness. But he says, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. In other words, he's hiding in his basement, but he knows the Lord is coming. Because then in verse 17 through 19, you see the encouragement, don't you? He said, God, I know if you throw off the whole calendar and fruit stops coming and there is no harvest, And animals die. I'm not going to stop having faith in you. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like deers. Even though before my body trembled. And rottenness enters my bones. The Lord can make my feet skip like a deer. He can make me tread on high places. Even though before I was afraid. He can make me stand on the edge of a cliff. And not be afraid. So it's a. Passage of encouragement. That's what the prophet wants us to feel. Good
2: evening, everybody. Today, super easy prayer time. Um, Let's just have four people pray. Um, And I'll I'll close this up. But I just want the prayer's focus to be on just the gift of Christmas, on um, Christ coming. So he can start his ministry here. And then obviously that ended in the eventual um, death and then resurrection, which is our salvation. So obviously that's the reason for the season. So I'll have four people pray and then I'll close. Lord, we continue in prayer. We just lift up um, lift up you and we just praise you for um, this holiday. This holiday is a time that we can celebrate. Um, you leaving paradise to come down and begin your ministry here for us, that you were able to come here, um, sacrifice yourself to redeem all of us, um, to pay the ultimate price for us when you didn't have to, Lord. We just praise you for your plan and how you brought it forth and how um, you yourself um, paid that sacrifice for us. We just praise you. We can't say enough. Um, we celebrate, we spend time to celebrate this holiday um, thinking of. Um, exchanging gifts, but you were the gift, the greatest gift of us, given to us, all of us. We continue to just praise you. We ask that you help us to just be mindful of this holiday season um, as Christmas Day comes and we celebrate with our family, that we just remember that um, the focus is on you, and we just praise you for that. In your name we pray.